ABC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. Have your say with Steve Allen. Morning, team. Today we mourn the passing of a beloved old friend, Common Sense. Who's been with us for many years. No one knows for sure how old he was since his birth records were long ago lost in bureaucratic red tape. He'll be remembered as having cultivated such valuable lessons as knowing when to come in out of the rain, why the early bird gets the worm, life isn't always fair, and maybe it was my fault. Common sense lived by simple, sound financial policies. Don't spend more than you earn. And reliable pairing, parenting strategies. Adults, not children, are in charge. His health began to deteriorate rapidly when well-intentioned but overbearing regulations were set in place. Reports of a six-year-old boy being charged with sexual harassment for kissing a classmate, teens suspended from school for using mouthwash after lunch, and a teacher fired for reprimanding an unruly student only worsened his condition. Common sense lost ground when parents attacked teachers for doing the job they themselves failed to do in disciplining their unruly children. It declined even further when schools were required to get parental consent to administer Panadol, sun lotion or a Band-Aid to a student, but could not inform the parents when a student became pregnant and wanted to have an abortion. Common sense lost the will to live as the Ten Commandments became contraband, churches became businesses and criminals received better treatment than their victims. Common sense took a beating when you couldn't defend yourself from a burglar in your own home and the burglar can sue you for assault. Common sense finally gave up the will to live after a woman failed to realise that the steaming cup of coffee was hot. She spilled a little in her lap and was promptly awarded a huge settlement. Common sense was preceded in death by his parents, truth and trust, his wife, discretion, his daughter, responsibility and his son, reason. He survived by three stepbrothers. I know my rights, somebody else is to blame and I'm a victim. Not many attended his funeral because so few realised that he was gone. Thank you very much indeed for that. That got sent in to me uh, yesterday, actually by quite a number of people, strangely enough. And um, and I thought to myself, well, there you go. John Warrant will be with us today. He was up in Camden, so we'll find out what uh, what happened with him up there. Plus, we've got all your texts and emails. Give you a rundown on what's happening for the weekend. But the good news is, and here is the good news, we want something to cheer you up today. They're finally getting these people into court. The bad news is the sentences are not particularly harsh. Uh, they've got the star pupil from a million-pound home. How did she end up in the dock? Well, quite clear, she's not a very nice person. I don't know why they ask such stupid questions in some of the papers. How did she end up in the dock? Here is one here, Natasha Reed, Told magistrate she turned herself in to the police after her conscience kept her awake all night. Not a very nice person at all. What was amazing in the night courts was the interesting fact that you had all the people, they had to get all the paperwork in, the solicitors rushing around. Three o'clock in the morning, the photocopier broke down, and all the parents were then moaning and relatives going, of course, they're really nice people, until you get them into court and realise that most of these people have got charges as long as your arm. Yes, most of them have been in trouble with the police before, and how charming, how charming. Were you not thrilled to see the little 11-year-old boy... Uh, a 12-year-old boy, taking the bottle of wine, running out, and then turning up in court, little toe-rag that he is, with his filthy mother, both of whom swore at photographers. How child, what a lovely child, what a marvellous mother. Really, real credit to this country. The moment you saw her turning up in trainers, you knew what she was going to be like, didn't you? And here he is, he swore at photographers. I can't use any of the appearance. Uh, the, the mother screamed at another photographer, you watch your face. Stupid woman. Stupid. Small wonder the family's like that. Small wonder. No hope for the future. And we're supposed to try and rebuild... What's the, what, what is the point? They don't... They're not interested in anything at all. 
They've got no respect for people. They're going to put you on the front page because you're a piece of filth. You've got a son who's an idiot, a sad, lonely, pathetic little person, and a mother who's even worse. What, what purpose? Christo was saying earlier, you wouldn't have sworn. In fact, either at your mother or in your mother's company, you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Perhaps there are some families who do that. The Olympic girl is on the front page, another stupid person. And this is the, she's a, an, an ambassador for the Olympics. Her mother, apparently, uh, saw it on television and went, I think that's my daughter. And uh, so now they're saying that she allegedly hurled bricks at a police car. It's a major blow to the game's image. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, she's either the stupidest person living or she's as innocent as anything. Because you look at this here, uh, her mother, Adrienne, says, I had to do what was right. Good for you. I mean, if it, if, if it is the person who was accused of, uh, of throwing things at the police car, then well done you. I said yesterday, every parent has a duty, apart from that filth with the 12-year-old. And then there's another one here. The girl of 11 came out wearing a little hoodie. She's in care, apparently, ladies and gentlemen, in care. Her father turned up in court and said, you know, she's a bad girl. And uh, she left doing the usual V signs and everything else. Charming little bit of nothing, isn't she, really? Trying to hide her innocent-looking face. The trouble is, I think they start like this, and then you you think to yourself, perhaps by the time they get to adult, and they've actually got something they're proud of, like a car, or they've got a television, and then when somebody breaks into their house, or keys their car, or smashes the windows, you just have to go, well, you did that before, so it's kind of payback time, isn't it? Remember that word, payback? We heard that numerous times from people, you know, I pay my taxes, I want some of it back. Well, how is it? Should you not be going to the government and doing that? No, 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 no. They have to do that. The, the other story in the paper today, Wooten Bassett, uh, last time, I think, a final tribute to the fallen, a town that just suffers grief like, like nobody's business. They've seen more grief and more tears there and probably more happiness as well in remembering the good times. But uh, the, the vigil has developed and the, the papers have got the last post there of the, uh, the last person, Maureen James, who was being buried the other day. There's also... Now, you have to look at this picture. I can't explain it to you, but it's Madame Tussauds, I'm afraid, in Blackpool. Now, you know that Louis Tussauds was the biggest joke you'd ever seen in Blackpool. Nobody ever looked like anybody. I mean, people didn't look like... You'd look at them, and, and the papers used to say, who do you think this is? And we'd go, well, it could be David Beckham. And they go, it is David Beckham. And they go, but it doesn't look like David Beckham. They've now done Eric and Ernie. Now, to be fair... To be fair, they've actually done Eric. Eric doesn't look too bad. Joan and uh, Joan Morecambe and Doreen Wise gave their approval. Now, Ernie Wise, and I'll have to show it to the producer, because whilst Eric looks like Eric, Ernie looks like he's supposed to be sitting on somebody's lap going, got the gear, got the gear. They've made it... I don't know whether it's the hair that's wrong. I can't quite work out which bit isn't right. And and the first time I looked at it, I thought, it doesn't look right. So, OK, there, there's Eric Morecambe. Yeah. So it looks like him, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Very lifelike. So that looks like Lord Charles. It does look like Ray Allen's dummy Lord Charles. It doesn't quite look right to me. Is it the hair, do you think? Yep. It's not... It's, it's not, not right. There's something not there's right There's something there. not right, is there? Perhaps we're looking at it from a wrong angle. Maybe. It should look like him from every It angle. should look... Well, exactly. It's supposed to be. Because have you ever seen any of Madame Tussauds people close up? No. Unbelievable. I kid you not, we went down to the Ideal Home Show and they had... Uh, Alan Titchmarsh and Anton Deck. I swear to God, I thought they were going to move. I thought they were just standing there, immobilised. They've got everything, every little hair. Quite fine. I'm going to get one of you made. And uh, that'll stop people rioting in the streets. <laughs> Put her outside the shop and go, no, no, anything but that, please. Anything. And do you remember Carl Newton? Carl Newton used to be the producer of Loose Women. And uh, 
turned it around a little bit. Well, anyway, Carl has resurfaced like the phoenix from the ashes and he's going to sort out the Daybreak programme. Now, Carl's idea of, of television is to chuck as many things at it. Um, I think the first thing will have to be splitting up the pairing of um, of uh, Christy, Christine Bleakley and Adrian Charles, because the pairing just doesn't work. They have no chemistry, zilch, no appeal to the public whatsoever. And all the people down there are going, we're all a little bit worried because we don't know what he wants. I shouldn't imagine Carl knows what he wants yet. He knows when he looks at something on the screen how it should be, and he, he can probably think of how he would change it. To be honest with you, it is an appalling abomination of a TV programme. Not helped by the fact that the two people fronting it, one looks as miserable as sin and half asleep, and the other one's so bloody irritating you want to push her out the window because she's just annoying. It's just, you know, you get some television... It's like Carol Smiley. You used to go, smiley, smiley, Carol Smiley, because she was always smiling, and it was that fake Anthea Turner kind of presentation. You get the same with Christine Bleakley. It's a little bit false, I'm afraid, you know kick them out and put somebody else in. Who? I've got no idea. I'm sure you've got thoughts there. But uh, they're, they're being beaten in the ratings by the BBC, which is a bit of a shame. There's a dreadful picture of the paper today about some bloke who was eating outside a restaurant. This awning fell on him. He was killed instantly. I mean, you wouldn't have thought an awning would have, um, would have actually done that. I, mean, they, I thought, you know, but it obviously did. He was 27. And, and when it crashed down, masonry crashed down on top of him, and he was dead at the scene. Absolutely awful here, really. I'm frightened about sitting under awnings now. I really am. I'm, I'm not, not particularly good at, uh, at those sort of things. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. There's another nice story in the paper today. A drugs case jury has been given a lesson in rocker. In rocker, R-O-K-K-E-R. After seeing a videotape of two men allegedly speaking the 16th century gypsy language. So they've had to do gypsy language translation for the jury. I've never even heard of it. Apparently, it's sort of the roots of 1500s Urdu, which, of course, is, uh, is uh, India. And they've got these two people here who speak it. And I've never even heard of the language before. I've never even heard of it. How interesting. So now having to explain to the uh, the jury about these things. Um, strange enough, there's a picture. I got a, an email from Bridget who said, Imagine my surprise when I read in our local paper, the Hertfordshire Mercury, Steve, that Joanne Webb has seen a UFO in a little village just a couple of miles from us. There have been three sightings near the village, apparently. Well, I spoke to Jo about this the other day, and she thought... You know, there was um, a, a reporter who said he'd seen a UFO... And, and I said to Joe, do you think it was? She said, well, because they, they live on a farm. And she said, we think it was the helicopter going up in the morning because the farmer is, is bringing the corn in. And they think that's what it was. It was the helicopter light because nobody else saw it, apart from this one bemused, I hasten to add, BBC reporter. You know how balmy mad they are. And so he saw it. Nobody else saw anything at all. And Joe reckoned it was a helicopter which was guiding the combine harvester. So I thought we'd put that one to bed straight away. Quarter past five. On LBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. 19 minutes past five. Friday morning in London town. The clean-up's underway. Some areas, you know, really lovely. I've been sent in all sorts of pictures from people. Pictures, you know, that they've taken from the windows of their own flats and houses. And literally just over the road, nothing. Just gone. Completely obliterated people's businesses and shops. But that's why I'm so glad today that they've started fast-tracking these these people through the courts. They've held the night courts, uh, which is what I said should have happened immediately. And they've started going round. Do you see them being dragged out screaming the other day? Some poor little bloke dragged out screaming as they found a £1,000 worth of stuff nicked from, um, I think it was the boss shop in... 
in uh, Sloane Square where they lost thousands and thousands of pounds worth. And as this man was coming out, he was screaming. And I thought, good, good. You know, it's quite good to actually catch them, because that's what they're doing now. And to all those people who have stolen stuff, it's nice to know that your friends are, uh, are reporting you. I'm very pleased about that. The police are very pleased with the response, and I'm pleased too. The sooner we get them in... I think one man's gone to prison for eight months, one's for 20 weeks, and uh, an 11-year-old boy we can't do anything about. But as I say, he's, uh, he's one of those little people for whom you kind of think, what do you do with them? I don't know what you do with an 11-year-old boy. If his mother quite cl- can't control him because she's as foul-mouthed as he is, what hope? Who does he have to look up to? Nobody, quite clearly. Um, bad news for Gareth Gates this morning. Uh, Gareth's career has gone from pop star, pantomime... He's doing cruise ships. He's going on to the Oceana, which is very nice. Nothing to matter with cruise ships. And it's a, very, it's, it's a captive audience because they all go to the show, and I, I tell you that because they have two shows a night, so after you've had dinner, you go and watch the show because there's, there's nothing else to do on a cruise ship, OK? There's nothing. John will tell you that. And so you go and you watch the entertainment. And to be honest with you, I think that'd be quite good. I mean, normally you get a magician, or you get a specialty act, or you get a singer, uh, or a juggler, and they fly them on and off. So he, he's doing the Oceana, and he'll do two nights on that, and then they'll fly him off and he'll do something else. How much wax it would take to make you? Oh, anyway, not much. it wouldn't take a lot, would it? Actually, it wouldn't take a lot of wax. It'd be quite interesting to see what it would look like. You know, you can have them. You know, Mohammed Al Fayed had a had his waxwork made, and it stood in Harrods down. It was all very scary. But you can have one made if you go to Madame Tussauds. They will make you in wax. I mean, you have to pay for it. It's not free. Put it in reception. We could put it in reception. You could be sort of holding your hand out as if to greet somebody. We go, Amanda's here, and, like that, and then people would go, hello. Oh, she's wax. I go, yes, sadly she is. <laughs> like, that, like that film. What was that film? Was it Carry On Screaming? Where they all got turned into wax. They got dipped by Kenneth Williams. And then uh, one of the guys had brought Joan Sims back and she was cast in wax. He said, but, but you can have her turned back. He said, I think not. <laughs> <laughs> there was a marriage going nowhere. There was a marriage going nowhere. So uh, I'll tell you else has thrown a bit of a wobbly this morning. Uh, all these people are sitting at home getting a bit scared in case the police go, or feeling that they break your door down, because they're coming around to get you. You know why? It's so easy. They don't... I mean, the police have just... It's, it's almost a gift, because they've got the CCTV images. They've got thousands of phone calls from people who called up after I said on the programme, if you know any of these people who are destroying your property in your area, you phone up. You phone up. You can do it anonymously to Crime Stoppers. There's no comeback. They don't ask for your number. They don't ask for anything else. And um, and you, you're all doing it. So I'm very pleased because we can't let this happen. This has got nothing to do with inner city poverty. This has got nothing at all to do with the government. This has got to do with people who have got nothing better to do with their lives. And it's an excuse. Because when you look at the... There's a ballerina in court. There's the girl who lived in the million pound house. You would think that they've actually got all these things. and They wouldn't want anything else. But of course, they want more. It's a shame, actually. As you said, Steve, a millionaire's daughter was thieving. Opportunism and no morals, no, no class. Well, that was the, it was the subject of, a, of a pie in the sky when it was the man who owed the big chicken farm and all the rest of it. It turned out his children were actually thieving and they were placing it all in the local police station, which had closed down over the road from where they lived. And uh, it's a great shame. I'm in Melbourne, Australia. Been listening to you, Steve, since I heard about the rights. I'm now worried the same will happen here. No, it won't. This is not replicated around the uh, the world. This is just something that is here. And uh, can you imagine it happening in China? Can you imagine? They wouldn't have... I mean, and also in China, the one thing that you would find that would be different in China... Somebody wrote to me from uh, from mainland China the other day and said the one thing you would find here in China is that people respect their parents. 
Over here, I know it seems harsh, but when, when, when you get old, there's, there's not very much opportunity of you staying with your family. They want to shove you in a home. And people say, well, I, I can't cope because they've got dementia or they've got this and that. So, 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 so we actually put people in homes and we let homes deal with it. And we say, we're going to sell your house and look after it. There was a very funny sketch on Little Britain where this woman said, I want to stay in my own ha- house. And Matt Lucas said, well, you, you can't, Mum. He said, well, we, we've sold it. We're putting you in a home. And she said, well, can, can I take all my jewellery? No, we've, we've sold that as well. You have to go. You have to go. <laughs> so they carted her off to this, to this home. In China, old people get old and they move in with the family. So you've got the whole family living there, existing on rice and whatever it happens to be. And, and having really nice... They're taught to respect people. We don't do that over here. You imagine? I mean, I did see one film, and again, it was China. How bizarre. I just remembered it. And it was China, and it was... Um, a couple of kids and their father, and these kids were quite unruly because they'd been introduced to, uh, to the Western style of life. And so they wanted to do everything. So they went to the big city. They just told their father, you know, and off they went to the big city, where, of course, there were, you know, all sorts of dangers. And it was, it was a documentary. First of all, I'd actually seen a documentary about China. And then I was, uh, and I was watching the other day the oddest DVD. I bought these DVDs the other day about the craze. And um, I think I'd lent you one before. You didn't like it. It frightened you. It frightened you. Yeah, they weren't very nice people. But the interesting thing was, there's a DVD out, and I, can't, I think it's called The Final Word. And what it is, and it's, it's a fascinating piece of social history, is the last interview that Reggie Cray gave on his deathbed. Twelve days after this interview, he died. And you could see he was in the last throes of, of cancer. But they talk about everything. They ask him questions. They interview uh, people like Tony Lambrianu. I mean, all these people who were around at the same time. And they deal with everything. They deal with, you know, how their culture was. They, the craze never sell, sent people out to do their dirty work. They went out to do their own dirty work. Uh, they were quite clearly psychotic. Reggie Cray, you know, died. They, they released him from prison. He was re- released on compassionate grounds. And then they filmed this interview in his hospital bed. And they ask everything. And it's, it's a very telling piece of social history from the East End where there were gangs and there were stabbings and there were killings, but there weren't the sort of riots that, that we've seen recently. They didn't have that kind of thing because certain... I mean, you still have gangs in London. Don't don't get me wrong. You still have gangs. You get the, the Maltese gangs and the Chinese triad gangs. There's all sorts of gangs that rule different areas. But in the craze time, it was, it was sort of them and the Richardsons and a couple of other gangs. And to watch this broken, sad old gangster lying on his deathbed, because as I say, 12 days afterwards, and, and talking about everything, talking about when Ronnie was first banged up for three years, and then, of course, Ronnie died first... And so they've got Reggie there at the finish. He's my soulmate. They they were incredibly stupid. They were incredibly dumb. They weren't educated. They just ruled by fear and intimidation. And but it was so interesting to watch him talking, thinking, had he lived, we'd have had him on in conversation. If he'd been released from prison, he would have been available. And you would want to talk to him to ask him all the questions. But they dealt, and there's a whole section on this DVD where they ask about, you know, profits from crime because they never seem to have anything. You know, considering that, you know, they were sort of technically ruling London, as it were, in a strange inverted way, they never seemed to have anything flash. You know, they didn't seem to be drinking champagne or anything. The one thing they both liked, boys. And they talk about, they've got Tony Lambrianu talking about it, saying everybody knew about it, which was really strange. Because, because it was the craze, they were sort of seemingly allowed to get away with it. Both of them, he said Ronnie liked boys and Reggie liked boys as well. 
And, and that's why it became quite strange when we talked the other day on the programme about this strange relationship that Reggie Cray had had with this guy, Brad Lane, who isn't alive anymore. Uh, but if you watch this, this DVD, you'll, you'll see a very broken man who's sort of struggling through the last days of his life. And, but not really any regrets. Not really any regrets or feeling anything about them. But it's interesting to watch the other people talking about the craze and saying, you know, they just, they just weren't very nice. They weren't very nice people. But as I say, not very nice people. And then you see the East End turning out and you think, would it have been the same if you turned out and they'd said the word paedophile over the front of, you know, their thing because they both like boys? No, people going, oh, you, you could leave your doors open when the craze were around. I thought, yeah, save them breaking in, didn't it, I suppose. Carl in Westminster says that we're going to see the courts give out the harshest of punishments. Nope, probably not. So can we see them in orange boiler suits in shackles? cleaning up. It has been suggested that they clean up. The papers all this morning, though, are full of, uh, of this girl who's an Olympic ambassador. What an Olympic ambassador is, I wasn't quite sure, but it turns out it's somebody who is selected to welcome guests. Quite clearly, there's no vetting process. Um, or if there is, uh, this one kind of failed. Her mother said it was my duty, but she was brought up to know the difference between right and wrong. So where do they, where do they all go off? And the thing I forgot to mention to you was uh, who's actually had a queenie fit and stamped her feet? David Hasselhoff's, David Hasselhoff's Welsh girlfriend. You remember she went back to her job in Debenhams the other day. She's a glamour model, she is. Lovely girl, Mafanwy. And it's not her name, I just think it's such a great name. Mafanwy is my favourite name of all time. And her uh, name is Hayley Roberts, and Hayley's 31, and she's a glamour girl, and she works for £7 an hour. And uh, she's gone back in there, and apparently she's quit because she wanted some more time off. And, uh, and her boss said... Um, well, not really, no. And she went, I'm don't, I don't want to be spoken to like that. I thought, oh dear, already glamour girl ideas above her station. So Hayley has, uh, has quit in a bit of an off huff, which is a shame, really, because uh, Dave has just booked pantomime, I believe, in Swansea. He's giving of his... Because remember, we saw him wandering around. He wouldn't speak to us, though, so we don't like him. Yes. Even though he was sat there for ages, he was being a little bit of a diva. A little bit of a diva. And... Uh, yeah, I think he was being a diva. I think he was... Because he was there for, for ages and ages. And we're sort of sitting there going... Hello, um, oh, dear. Anyway, never mind. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so good luck, Hayley. I'm sure you get a job. Your mum says you're a hard worker. I know that. It's LBC. It's 5.30. He Boyle in his column today says... Uh, Jedward have become the face of bullying posters across Ireland where they appear battered and bruised. He says, I confess, when I saw it, I wasn't sure if it was pro or anti. <laughs> <laughs> How he gets away with this stuff, I don't know. He says it's been a terrible week unless you're having an affair with a cop's missus. That's his, that's his opening headline. That's his opening headline for Frankie Boyle. Always guaranteed to shock and, uh, and annoy people and, uh, and wind people up. And he's, and he's got a lovely picture of the Kaiser Chiefs who predicted a riot. And he's got a picture of that and then the riot. He said they actually predicted this. He thought, how clever is that? <laughs> I'm just happy, John, that they're fast-tracking in courts so quick that uh, it's taking these people a bit by surprise. They think you go out there, you steal something. All right, fags and booze, you might have a bit of a problem proving. Clothing, which was a big thing, they've, been, they've dragged them out, you know, and I'm very pleased. So am I, absolutely. And I think they should bring out a new law that these people <clears throat> who think that they can just go out there and destroy people's livelihoods and the damage to the buildings mm. and the homes is absolutely appalling. But if you look at it on a bigger scale, and Christo did a little bit of this on his programme today, the damage that they do mm. to the nation, 
in the world's eyes. You know, people who are in Madrid or in Paris or in wherever they are who are thinking of booking to come on a trip to London to see how wonderful our city is. Mm. All the good work that that royal wedding did mm. for our country was destroyed by them. So there should be a new law that comes out. And if they haul these people up into court and they say, well, we can't actually prove that you stole that TV or mm. you probably might have bought those trainers, you say you were just there then there's a new law, and it's called Crimes Against the Nation. Mm. And you are responsible for a crime about bringing the United Kingdom into ill repute mm. to the eyes of the world, and therefore you will surrender your British passport for as long as we need to keep it. You will not leave the country because you are not a good representative. I'd rather they did leave the country and go course, somewhere yes. else. Well, that's to be honest with you, send them anywhere. Years ago, we st stuck them on ships and sent them off to Australia. I know, but they don't want them now, do no, they? No, they don't want them either. Perhaps we can find another remote well, perhaps island. Perhaps we could just send them over on. in a ship and then sh sink the ship halfway over. Well, yes, that would be... Well, that, that would be would quite be, a good idea. That sounds like a very... Tiananmen Square type effect. Well, to be honest with you, I don't know what the answer is. When you get, as I said earlier on, when you get an 11-year-old boy walking outside of court telling the reporters to F off, and yep. then his mother says the same thing, you think you're dealing with people of very limited intelligence, very stupid, he probably drinks and smokes, and, well, he did because he stole a bottle of wine, and, and you think to yourself, you are as dim as I think you are. Well, they're mindless, aren't they? They're well, they're not mindless. even mindless. They're just stupid people. They're just, they are the sort of people you go thick, at school we go, you're a thicko. Well, on, on Tuesday, which I, I keep referring back to as Angry Tuesday, and, and that was the day, I think, where everybody, certainly in Camden, in the community in mm. Camden, all the shopkeepers, and I'm a shopkeeper, I've got a shop front with yeah, glass and yes. windows, and I wanted to protect my livelihood, and also to protect the people in the, uh, in, who live above at the shop. Of course, shops. that's There's, the trouble. It's the people upstairs. Yeah, the two people who live there 24 hours a day, not just the people that go to work there. Mm. And it was quite interesting how everybody on that day, that Tuesday, was coming up to me and saying, you okay? You mm. heard about last night? Mm. You know, what are you going to do tonight? The people in the office next door said, we were thinking of staying here all night long yeah. to protect our thing. We've got this and we've got that. And the next, uh, the stories that were unfolding during the week that my neighbours, uh, who live above the shop where I work, uh, they said that at two o'clock in the morning, the police had cordoned off an area at the bottom of Parkway. And Parkway mm. is the road that runs from the mm. zoo down to Camden High Street. Mm. And that's where they put police cordon so that they couldn't go up those streets. And they were running up and down Arlington yeah. Road. 30, 40, 50 people in hoodies. But what was happening at the other end, which now this is interesting, this is from people who live in the street, mm. they, they were watching as very, very nice cars, BMWs, Mercedes, four-wheel drives, mm. were pulling up. Women were driving these cars. Mm. They were pulling up. Their engines were, were kept on. The driver was in the car. And you, they were watching as people were getting out of the car, running, looting the shops, getting it back into the car and driving off. Yes, So they yes. were sort of in those side streets. And We and have heard that. That is so alarming, isn't yes. it? That there was this whole different culture of different things going on. Mm. The kids that were goaded by other kids and... Yes. Well, that, it, was, it, was, it was mob mentality. Uh, I spoke to somebody the other day who... Uh, came outside their house. I can't remember exactly the area. Lived. Anyway, and it was it was it was okay, mm. and and he came outside his house the second time. He'd left his his dinner cooking in the oven and all the rest. Of it. He came outside the house, and all of a sudden, all these kids appeared about a hundred, hundred and fifty of them mm. coming towards him, and he's on the phone to somebody, and and he's sort of saying, "There's all these people coming towards me," and. 
the pe- because of what he was wearing, somebody in this mob said to him, you're a fed, aren't you? Because it, 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 he looked as though he was an off-duty policeman, and he went, no, I'm not a fed. I'm not a fed. And they went, you're a fed, aren't you? But then it kind of spread. All of a sudden, mm. other people would go, you're a fed, aren't you? Because once one person says it, it becomes Chinese whispers. And he's on the phone to somebody, and, and they're saying, listen, you should go back inside. It's, it doesn't sound very safe. And then somebody went, you're a fed, aren't you? Give me a phone. And he went, no, you're not having my phone. You're not having my phone. And it was then that he started to move Obviously not back to his own place, but to sort of move away from them. Mm. And then he then started to run. They then tried to trip him up, and he ran like hell. But he said the fury and the hatred in their eyes was something he'll never forget. No, I'm sure. He said it's the most frightening thing he's ever experienced. And you think, I wouldn't want to be there. The trouble is he ran so far that he then had to get back to his house because he'd left the dinner on in the oven and he thought the place could have burnt down. But you also don't want them to know where you live. That was the, that's why he didn't go back to because the house. Because you don't want to promote that yes. extra violence that, oh, we'll target you, mate, we'll be round to see you but What amazes time. me, the, they had the, the, the two girls from Croydon and they were set, you know, they were asked by the reporter, well, you know, why'd you do this? Because we don't like rich people. You think, but you're stealing clothes and you like flash cars... What, what do you think that is? I mean, do you not think that people have not worked for these things? Exactly. Ask any shopkeepers around your area. Are you really rich? No, we're making a living. That's what we do. We work. We, you know, all our money's in the business. You know, th- yes. they're not sitting there on piles of money. Because somebody hands you money for a packet of fags, you know, six quid or five quid, do they think that's all profit goes in their pocket? These people are so dim. Well, they're naive because they just don't know and they just assume, like everything, you know, oh, you've got um, a new Apple iPhone. I want one. Yes. Why haven't I got one? You go, I'm going to go and This 11-year-old one. kid turns up in court with two phones. <laughs> two phones. At 11. 11. I haven't got two phones and I work for a living. What, could have, what sort of toe rag is he that he's got? To, how's he affording two phones? And someone, somewhere, has either bought them or he's nicked them. Mm. Or why has he got phones at 11 years of age anyway? Well... Well, because they have them, I'm afraid. I know I mean, they I, do. You know, because Nathan had his phone at, at 11, because all the kids text. But yes. two, mind you, I said to her the other day, I said, I sat on the bus the other day next to a woman who was going to a cleaning job. She had three phones. It must just be me that's only got one phone. I'm feeling a bit left out. Actually, my driver this morning had three phones, because I three could see phones. them. Three phones? Yeah, three. What and do I people thought... do with three? How do you keep... Tr- oh, oh, the other, the other day I get a letter from the RAC. Mm. OK, and it goes, um, it's got two cards in for the RAC and uh, they go just to remind you that your uh, membership is due for renewal and I thought but I I've cancelled my membership with the RAC last year because they were too expensive quite clearly they've put it through on my card and they've rolled it on again I didn't authorize them to do it you can retract that though yeah but that is an automatic thing because oh, I've got, got it with the AI. But I had it and then the thing came it. through and it was too expensive <laughs> and I, I phoned them up and I said listen I, I don't want it but they obviously put it through anyway. I never got the card. It's computer generated. It's computer generated, mm. and it says you've got. But they've got my, all my card details. Yeah, I put they down have. the last, and it says it will go through on the twelfth of September. I thought so. I've had membership of the RAC for a year that I didn't authorise. Oh, I see. This has already happened last this year. This is yeah. It says it's coming up for renewal again. I thought so. I've had it for the last year, and I didn't want it. I'm with somebody else. I'm with Green Flag or something because that, the RAC yeah. were too expensive. You got that breakdown cover. That yeah, is, but what what people don't realise? You join the AA of the RAC and you think you can call them out three hundred times? No, 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 no. On their basic thing, once 
in the year can you call them out? I think it depends on what level of... Exactly. The most level, and I had the top thing five times in a year. Yes, it's only a number of times. It's only a number of times. You you can't just call them out of the car break. They said, well, you've only got basic cover. But I was furious that they put it through. Furious. They have different different rules. I found this out because, uh, not for me, but for a friend Mm. who who also had AA cover... And if you you have that, is it called home start, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So if you can't, your that's when your car starts on a winter morning. Yeah, and you can't do all that. They'll come out. Get two her to or drag three the car around to the street. She's like, you, I've got a th- collar and thing. I pulled it out there. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah, exactly. She's got these jingle bell things at Christmas and everything. It's fab, isn't it? She loves that. I'm waiting Very to see the waxwork. Well, do you know? I was thinking actually, what a nice present. If you had loads of money, what a great present. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you not it think would. so? Well, I thought it would be. Weird. But no. you can have yourself in the corner of the of your bedroom. You could wake up and say, good morning, Amanda. I, fr- I said to her, we went to the Ideal Home Exhibition last year, and we went through one of the houses where they had Alan Titchmarsh and Anton Deck. They're so <laughs> lifelike, you seriously believe they are living statues. They're frighteningly real. Okay. But imagine if Amanda had one of those in her bedroom. What she could do the night before, she could put it in what she was going to wear the next day, and then see what she was going to look like. But, but she's only got to look in a mirror to see what she's going to look like. Not the same. Oh, the step, because you can step away. Because you're looking backwards as well. You can turn it round and yeah. everything, and she can't see you back, oh, can right. you? It's quite a good idea, isn't it? That's a good idea. We should all have one, perhaps. Oh, oh that's oh, my, that's you. It's my phone, Very actually. unprofessional. Um, easiest... Well, it's, it's just vibrated. It's Hugh, my friend Hugh. Do you know that the, the most... Thing, good morning, Hugh. Morning, Hugh. He says, uh, easiest thing to cancel is a direct debit. Once they have a card... Uh, card number they can keep using. I had no idea yeah, that they, they were, they were. They so I've been a member of the RAC for a year, but I never authorised it. I'm going to have to phone up and say to them, I'm, I, I don't want it. It's quite. A but funny... they've now reduced it from 119 pounds to 74. Well, then the covers changed, or perhaps because you haven't used them. No, they said there's a discount because you haven't used them. That's exactly. Why. Well, because I didn't know I was a member. <laughs> Strange enough, Hugh, Hugh Fernie. I was going to mention a thing the other day. Hugh has a farm. Mm. Very nice farms, like Dappledown Farm. It's the kind, it's, it's, you know, you could, you could move into Hugh's house, because it's not what I call, he's going to be insulted now, it's not what you call a flash house, it's what you call a functioning house. It's a house where you could walk in in your wellies. It's a farmhouse. It's, it's, well, I don't think you're right, actually, I'm so sorry, Hugh, I'm going to go and take myself out and hang myself. <laughs> but it, but it is, it, they've got fields and gates, and, it, and it's, it's really lovely. But there was a piece in the paper the other day, on the increase, thefts from farms. Forty-one million pounds worth of stuff was stolen from farms last year. Not just farm equipment, animals as well. People go around the countryside and they steal sheep mm. and everything else and they sell them to, to restaurants and stuff like that. Yeah, because it's cheap. Because, because it's good money. You just... Re- they sell... Well, there have been cases of sheep being slaughtered in the fields oh. and taken away. I mean, it's, it's quite, quite dreadful. But Hugh will, Hugh will back me up that thefts from farms, admittedly his, I mean, you know, you drive for 300 miles down a... Down a track, you know, it's very, pre- it's very pretty where he is. I can't remember where it is. It's lovely. It is lovely. Right, listen, it's quarter to six uh, in the morning. It's Friday morning. It's nice to have your company. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. The scores all the time. They are losing at home to Blackburn by a goal to nil. Newcastle leading Birmingham 2-1. Everton nil, Man City 1. Bolton nil, Sunderland 1. Ian Payne with scores. Only on LBC 97.3. Saturday afternoons from 2.30. Morning, every 12 minutes to uh, 6. Let me quickly uh, whiz through some of your emails this morning. Up early is James. He's going to Tuscany. How nice. Oh, I could, I could do with Tuscany this morning. Stopping on a, in a vineyard, on air later, uh, and then heading straight down to Gatwick. Brief sleep in a hotel before 5am check-in. Crikey. 
Five a.m. Ch- oh, so he's already checked in. I should imagine it's an early flight, isn't it, from well, Gatwick? Lots of flights go at that time in the morning. Five o'clock check-in will do be they? a seven o'clock flight. I'm surprised the poor stewardesses look half asleep. Of course they do. <laughs> they, they go there and then they come back, yeah. and sometimes they go there again. Yeah. All in one day. Oh, bless their hearts. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. This is from uh, Germany. G- Germany. Jeremy. Who's <laughs> Germany? <laughs> Who's in uh, Sydney. He says, I'm a Londoner. I've lived here for 16 years. He says, hoodies are banned in Australia. They're going to ban them here as well. Anybody wearing masks and hoods will be banned from Good. the streets. And uh, and they will be enforcing that. So I'm, I'm very pleased, actually. Very, very pleased on... Uh, on that one. 1,047 people arrested, 584 charged. Busy day in the courts, I suspect, again today. I wonder who we're going to find today. So far, they found a ballerina, um, yes. a scaffolder, a lifeguard. There's all sorts. Of, and now a London ambassador for the Olympics. Yeah, there's all sorts of people, aren't there? Shopped by her mother. <laughs> God, uh, dreadful. Uh, and Gary is uh, he's off running. You know Gary? Yeah, we know Gary. And he's off running again. And uh, he said, I'm dealing with the aftermath of the last few days. Not easy. Yes, I gather you've had uh, your fair share of incidents yes, going on. up there. Yep. He says, I'm looking forward to actually having a weekend off when I'll be doing this time. This is a weekend off for him. A 15-kilometre race. Goodness me. In Finsbury Park for the Stroke Association. He's it's, quite mad, you know. He's quite good, though. It's very good. I, I mean, I couldn't do it. I know. But well, I can't the, run for anyway. For the Stroke Organisation, that's wonderful. Yeah, I think that's very good. Mm. So, so good luck, Gary. Good luck, you're up early. And um, Paul says, I'm so glad to see the night courts are up and running. Indeed, my nephew, who's a policeman in Manchester, has been on duty there and reports they're dealing with the guilty very robustly. Which is good news, isn't it? Yeah. He said... Um, through. They're actually turning away quite a few of them, aren't they? The ones... Because they're limited to what they can give uh, people... Yes. That, they can only give them a maximum six months. And often, the magistrate will suspend that sentence because they're normally menial... Uh, things that they're going into mm. magistrates for, they can then refer them to Crown Court, which will be a much more severe. Yes, but they're keeping sentence. a lot in custody. They are they've decided they're not releasing them back out, including the Olympic girl who held the bricks. They say allegedly. Good, good. And, I, and I think that will do them good. Yes. Keep them in there and see what it's really like. Yes, oh, good, cell. good, good. Uh, well done to Jonathan Levi, says Paul, for the Ronnie Corbett show. I shall be honest. After watching the Geldof disaster in ITV Two, which I know wasn't his fault, I was in two minds whether or not to watch, but so glad I did. And we'll be watching the second part on Saturday and caught June. Brown on Who Do You Think You Are, researching her Jewish roots. Best unintentional laugh of the week, the Peter Andre show, in which she was attempting to help two gay guys who were running their home as an animal sanctuary. One of the lads worked in a garage, and unbelievably, the narrator, who you could tell was trying so hard not to laugh, said was, Peter was coming in the back way to surprise him. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. Yeah, poor old Peter Andre. <laughs> yes, poor old Peter. It is a dreadful programme. Oh, it's awful. It I is can't bear to watch absolutely it. Absolutely awful. It's most, the trouble is, poor Peter Andre is so pitifully lame on television. You can understand, you know, he's such a drip. I mean, he's a 40-year-old man with the, with the brain of a five-year-old. But he looks very boyish, doesn't he? Yeah, but, but that's like sort of saying Jeff Brazy is a TV presenter. No, he's not. That's like, like, that's like saying that Shane Ritchie can be faithful. No, he can't. He can't. Six years, that affair. Six years. Perhaps we should put them on Daybreak. All well, to make do. it more entertaining. <laughs> yes. I, don't, I can't watch Peter Andre on the television. He's a little bit, a little bit wet. I saw him on Loose Women a short while ago. Yeah, not so great. Anyway, the riots, as you uh, know, we've discussed over many days now, has ruined many small businesses up and down the country. Uh, Vijay Patel's been running his travel agency in Croydon for 20 years, but his livelihood was almost destroyed when his shop was ransacked by looters on Monday night. He told LBC's Tim Walklate the police were just too slow in responding to his problems. This thing has been devastated Croydon. 
We haven't got any help from the police on that night which happened. It has been our livelihood last 20 years and it has been meshed by these unbelievable people who don't know what they're doing it. So if the police has been on at the time, it has been avoided. Can you tell me about the damage? What damage has been caused? The damage we're looking is around about 22, between 20 to 30,000 pounds because we got six, seven computers has been damaged. They, whatever they see is they try to damage. They want to wreck it this place. And some people have said that, um, have mentioned race has been involved in this. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel that uh, these events have been spurred on by racism? Definitely not racism. It's a purely, purely organised riot things and they was to loot at the things is not racism at all this is pre-planned only they want a chance to find out something to put up a britain in a big trouble and they done this and do you feel that you're being supported enough here we haven't supported by local authority at all we have been supported by our local neighbors our travel partners who has rang us and given us enough encouragement to start to put up a business as usual, but not a local government council or police people has commented. To call the police, we have to wait 38 hours after to come and look at the criminal scene so they can get the evidence of the blood stain bottle left by looters. Is so much proof they got, but we have to phone 10 times to get the police. Yesterday only the police come. Croydon Council hasn't come up as well. In the front footpath, we have to clear our glass. They hasn't come and done it. Even if you go and look outside, still there is some glass there. The council should help us as well to clean it up. The government is saying they're helping to clean it up. At the moment, nobody has contacted us. And um, David Cameron's announcement today that he's going to extend insurance claims from 14 to 42 days. Uh, and he's obviously also going to implement other schemes to try and help local businesses get back on their feet. Um, does that ease your troubles at all? Definitely it's help us out, but they should make sure the money which he's going to give to the people, he, they should make sure it should be go to small businesses like us, independent. This is the best thing he has done it. This gives us an encouragement that, oh, okay, the government is now supportive to us. VJ Patel, who's been running his travel agency in Croydon for 20 years, and it was random. Why you'd want to ransack a travel agent? I mean, I ask you, John, out of all the stupid places to ransack, what are they taking? A holiday brochure? Computers. Oh, computers. Yeah, but we most computers, did you? Yeah. We took them home. But most computers in travel agencies look like they're antiquated old things anyway. Not ours. Oh, they? Not the today. No, no. they're not. And they're, it's not that. It's just that you take your computers home because they've got all your information on there. Or just take it on a little stick or something. Yeah, well, well you, I haven't got time to do all that. Oh. Just unplug them, put it in my bag, and off I went. Oh, right, so it's a, like a laptop, then. The people in the, the business next door, they took the server with them. Oh, I saw right. them bringing a car and loading it up. And when I got home on that on that evening, um, I always pop into my local shop on the way, you know, to get milk or soups yeah. or bottle of wine or something rather. Or all three. <laughs> all three. <laughs> you made it sound like it was just one, you know, one <laughs> item out of yeah, that. No, no, I always I buy all so. three. But <laughs> they, they were, uh, there was this sort of array of family going in and out of Rishins, in and out. The kids, everyone was on hand, yeah. bringing in stock and pushing it and locking it all away yeah. at the back. And they had all been told that there was a possibility that they were going to come 
from Barnet Spires up through there yeah. and into Muswell Hill. Well, that's the trouble. So what had happened on the internet was a lot of people were spreading malicious gossip and they've incidentally, they've now arrested three people in Guernsey. You think you can't be found by your computer? Like that they find you. Mm. And they were de- what they were doing was inciting people to riot from Guernsey, thinking they were safe on Guernsey. You just send a message out, which goes out to everybody. Yep. Go, you know, riot in, you know... Broadwater Farm, whatever it happens to be, but they thought they were safe in Guernsey. Nope, three have been arrested already. They've also arrested three other people in the country for sending out these sort of messages. And they were also uh, talking about, you know, cutting Facebook or cutting Twitter yeah, yeah. and all of that. But in fact, sometimes, and I did speak to a couple of police w- uh, ladies, actually, that I know, they said that actually they're quite good because they can intercept those mm-hmm. and they can see what they're for planning. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Lynn went to see Gareth Gates when he first became famous in Manchester. Due to his stammer, he learned to play every instrument you can think of and played each one brilliantly. Drums, guitar, saxophone. I had a dream about playing the saxophone last night. I dreamt that I was playing a saxophone and somebody said to me, I didn't know you played the saxophone. And I went, yeah, really well. In my dream, I'm having these very... I've got to st- stop eating cheese before I go I to bed I thought it was now. a ukulele you played. <laughs> oh, no, it was a banjo. Banjo. Yes, yeah, banjo. good at the banjo. People were terribly disappointed when I didn't, uh, when I didn't play it at Croydon. <laughs> we did bring it on stage, actually. We did bring it on stage. 84850, uk, And uh, we weave everything in on the programme this morning. Uh, I see that uh, poor old ITV is suffering its worst ratings yes. for decades. They cannot have... You know, a hit programme. I mean, Dermot O'Dreary and the marriage ref has, has died. Coronation Street is doing OK. Not, it's not as good as it used not to be, Not as good though. as it used to be. And apparently Born to Shine trailed. And, and they're axing spooks. I know. I was very disappointed with that. They think it's, it's sort of it's, it's looking dated. Spooks is one of the best programmes because it is up to date. They cover things that are happening now. Oh. If it was on now, there would be something about riots in there. Yes. It, 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 it's a very, very, very clever programme. Oh. It's the thinking man's programme. I don't think I've ever seen it. No, and you, you're a box set boy. Yeah. Steve oh, no, I don't want another box set. I've got enough box sets Just going on. Just get the on. first or second no, series. No, because then... I'd be like, no, I mean... I, I, Honestly... I wanted to buy Glee. Oh, is it? I've never seen it. Only by the first series, though. The and then I suddenly realised that watching all these people singing Just a small town boy living in the creek And then watching all these flash mobs doing it, it's really exciting. They go, dum, dum, you, dum, you dum, 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 dum. Glee when I talked about well, it originally. Well, I, 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 I was a little bit iffy about Why? it because I thought they were all miming badly on the television. I thought, you know, if I see people <laughs> going into the school gym and bursting into song again, it was a little bit like fame. Yes, it and was. And fame, I want to live forever. I didn't want them to live forever. I have talked to various members of the cast and I, and I like the concept, but after a while it just became those irritating kids who jump on a, a taxi as they're coming out. At, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I no, like I mean, the it, film. Was, it was good, the but they, the kids did become quite irritating. Bruno and his keyboard, I mean, frankly, I'd have rammed that somewhere. Anyway, and <laughs> And, um, and the monkeys. The monkeys have cancelled all oh. their further dates now. Apparently, I think, incidents going on behind the scenes. Apparently unavoidable, so they say. It's LBC 97.3. I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast. It's Friday. 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. We shall weave them all in. Uh, we'll go through some more of the papers and we'll weave more of your texts in after the news, which is next at 6. 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. Have your say with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to have company. Eight minutes past six. Actually, thank you to, uh, to Bridget for sending in the strange goings-on in the skies over Codred. It sounds a bit like an Agatha Christie, doesn't it? And a lovely picture of Joanne there talking about, you know, the strange lights... 
that she's seen in the skies. I must have a word with her. I shall phone her later and go, you didn't tell me that you were, you were doing this thing here. She's a UFOer. She's in a UFOer, absolutely. Mark the bailiff is up and out this morning. God dear. It's the, it's the trashing of people's cars, which I couldn't uh, cope with the other day. And it was when we spoke to Adrian Mills, whose restaurant in Ealing was trashed, mm. while the staff were in it. They yes. were hiding at the back of the restaurant. I mean, it was the most frightening thing I'd ever heard. They came in and stole money, didn't they, and demanded money they from the dragged... people sitting there. No, they actually dragged the till out. They'd already closed, mm. and they, they dragged the till out, then they trashed the place. It's a Thai restaurant, for God's sake, you know. They're so stupid, these people. As I say, what you want to do is wait till they get a bit older. You find out who they all are. And then once they've got their house, you go around and trash their place. Yeah, you go, sorry about car. that. Yeah, yeah sorry about that. Fire to it. It was quite interesting how other stories during the week of uh, uh, that I heard was that, that uh, well, one uh, mum told me that her children on the night of the riots, the big riots mm. on Monday night, uh, one was in the West End and the other one was in a different part of London, and um, the. the Daughter, she said she got on the phone to her. Get yourself home now. Mm. I don't care where you are. You get home. Police were advising that. Do you know where your children are? They yeah, said. Where are your children? Yeah. So she, this is an eighteen-year-old girl, and she mm. got herself home eventually via some strange route on a bus, and and the bus had stopped somewhere, and there were uh, youths running down mm. the road, and he locked all the doors of the bus and and just kept them on. Like there. that stops. Yes, it doesn't stop anyone. Yeah. But another, the, the the boy who couldn't get home was mm. stuck in Belsize Park, mm. and a restaurant. The, the restaurateur invited them all in and allowed them to stay there through the night yeah. and locked all the doors. There's a case of a couple in the paper today. Strangely enough, it's, it's not related to the, the riots or anything like that, but a couple were in a sweet shop and they kept losing stock. Mm. They kept losing stock and money from the till. And they thought somebody was obviously getting in there at night. So they dressed themselves entirely in black and waited in the shop and waited. And eventually the person came in and uh, and started taking the stuff and taking money out of the till. It was their employee. It was a young lad who worked in the shop anyway. It was actually breaking back in at night, taking sweets and taking money. Appalling. But but they had to wait there all night to catch him. Well mm. done to them. Yeah. Well done to them. Very well so done. should the media refrain from interviewing those who took part in the riots? Isn't this just glamorising the violence and looting? Or do you think that they deserve a voice? You can uh, tweet me, which is LBC973, or 84850. So should the media, because you've seen all these interviews on the television with these people in hoods and everything else, being interviewed and talking about how clever they are, thick so-and-sos, for stealing and which shops they broke into and what they took, doesn't this glamorise the violence of looting? Or do you think these people deserve a voice? Because whichever way you look at it, it's got absolutely diddly squat to do with the government. It's got nothing to do with social deprivation. It's plain and simple thieving from people who perhaps don't have very much. They're taking from them. You know, they're not taking it from the government, they're taking it from the shopkeepers. So, do you think these people deserve a voice, or do you think the media should stop interviewing those who took part in the riots? 84850, LBC 973. With uh, Nick Ferrari this morning, David Wooding, former political editor of the News of the World. Uh, plus, I'll be talking to the former detective chief inspector with the Met Police, Peter Kirkham, on uh, Cameron handling the rights issues yesterday. Um... Why did the unrest happen? God knows if we knew the answer to that one. We'll talk to the education editor of The Independent. Uh, and is the unrest set to return? They'll be talking to Graham Reeves. Do you remember Graham Reeves uh, owned Reeves Furniture Store in, uh, Furniture Store in Croydon, which was burnt down, managed to survive everything except that. Neil the Courier says the scenes that sickened me the most were the young injured lad who had the items stolen from his rucksack. Apparently somebody's being questioned over that, Neil, which is good news, and he said it hasn't put him off. Um, being in the country, he likes it, and he's very happy to be here. I think he was just as shocked watching it back on the television. 
And uh, another one here from Mike the Bouncer. He said, send police from Poland or any other eastern country. All of it would be dealt with within an hour. Rubber bullets, tear gas, water cannon. That's the way we deal with troublemakers, football hooligans and all other junkies in my country. It, well, it, they did ask the question and they were... The, the government said you can use water cannon, but we need 24 hours notice before mm. we can get it out. So what do you, you have to predict whether or not something is, uh, is going to be happening. And the answer is you cannot do that. On the subject of direct debits, Barbara says the most important thing to remember when you cancel a direct debit with a company is to cancel it with your bank. Well, I didn't set up a direct debit. I do not have a direct debit with, uh, with the RAC. What I did, I gave them a card... Yeah, over the phone. I didn't set up a direct debit. But they keep that card. Yes. Because they do it automatically. And well, that's a... the trouble, quite clear. When I spoke to the person, I think, in India, of I said to them, quite distinctly, mm. I don't want it then, I'm not spending this sort of money. No, but the computer's generated the computer's the generated the blasted thing. But that's because the person who you spoke to, whether they were in India or whether they are in Scunthorpe, yeah. hasn't actioned your request. Yeah. They haven't cancelled your account. I wonder how many other people have had memberships of things without realising, thinking that they didn't have, but they've had it. Because when I got that letter yesterday, I have to be honest, it could have knocked me... In fact, I had to read it three times to make sure it wasn't a scam letter and I was reading it properly. <laughs> but no, they had my, my credit card, the last four, four numbers, yep. the expiry date and everything else. And I thought, oh... It's quite funny. I had one of those things that was recur was a, a recurring thing, like an AA-type thing. You could be stuck with it for years. Well, yes, and unless you check very carefully well, your statements. And with mine, it was an, a card that I no longer had. I had a new card since that one had been used... And yet, the credit card company yep. still allowed them to take the money. And suddenly, I didn't know anything about it until I got a statement. I thought, I haven't got that card. I haven't had that card for ages. Why is, suddenly some, why is someone suddenly taking money from that card? Yeah. So I phoned them, found out who it was, and they went, you know, it's an ongoing thing. I said, well, get rid of it. Don't. Tell, send it back. Because yeah. you can say to your card, no, I did not authorise that payment. Yeah. Well, because it's it's, bit it's late automatically generated. Exactly, a bit late because I've had it for a year. Yeah, you won't get it. They've taken 100 that. and something pounds. Now it's 74 pounds, whatever it is I've got. Well done to David and Vid. Ten years since they opened Thai Nice. And uh, we've been up there quite a few times, actually. Mm. So they're having a, a party on the 4th of September to, uh, to celebrate. And they'll have a three course Thai buffet. They do do the most wonderful volcano chicken. Oh, up that's there, marvelous. Where it sort isn't of it? comes in. Uh, Jenny Randall. Thank you, Jenny. I mentioned uh, back in May on LBC the unveiling of a, a plaque in Bickley, in Bromley, of a plaque commemorating those killed and injured by the V2 rocket attack. And they've now produced a little book called Not Forgotten, The Crooked Billet. And all the sales go to the Friends of Jubilee Country Park. It's £4. I shall send you £4, Jenny. You shouldn't ha have to send that for free. I shall put £4 in an envelope, being the generous soul that I am. I shall claim it back on the tax. <laughs> and, uh, and I shall send you that money and you could put it back. But thank you very much indeed for sending that in. Quarter past six. First this morning from seven. Monica's a teacher and uh, says, I teach foreign students who come to London for all the right reasons, because it's the centre of the English-speaking world. Uh, imagine how I felt Tuesday, asking the students to stay in that evening. And No, I didn't know why the riots were happening. And now ex-students have been contacting me from all over the world, asking if I was OK, and generally talking of their dismay, which is the, uh, the big question. Uh, Ricardo uh, says here, I'm ashamed by what's been happening in Tottenham. I'm a black Londoner, 49 years old, living in New Zealand now, moved out in 1999. I made a good move for me and the family. I've listened to the UK radio and I've heard comments from people who think all black people are trouble. Well, I've never heard that. 
Um, no, he neither. says it's not true, and I'm, I'm proof of that. No, it's not. That's, you've never heard that. Not on this radio station. No, and, it, never heard that and nobody has ever, ever said no. that this was a black problem. There no. is an equal mix of every different colour and creed in that group. Well, it's certainly a good mix. I mean, it, it's the smirking. The, the, the question we're asking you this morning is, should the media refrain from interviewing those who took part in the riots? Is it glamorising the violence of looting, or do you think they deserve a voice? 84850 or LBC 973. And Kevin says, looking at some of the motley crew that have been in court, I begin to wonder how many rioted just for the buzz. I think most of them did. There's, a, there's, a, there's an undercurrent, as with all these things, of people who deliberately... I've seen people being interviewed on the television uh, in their hoods and their little masks because they're, they're obviously not as proud as they thought they were. I thought, you know, they were supposed to be so upfront. They're just little frightened girls, of course, and that's why they're all masked up. But should we be interviewing people with the masks on? And uh, one here that says, interview them so the rest of us can see what we're dealing with. Well, I think they should be stripped of the masks, apparently. The government are calling now for uh, banning thugs, masks and hoodies. I absolutely agree. Any little toe rag. There's no excuse for wearing hoods at all out there. Unless you're a complete wuss, you don't. No comment from the royal family, says Kerry. Read the riots. I know they're all on holiday in Balmoral. Is it protocol for them to keep quiet? They, they tend not to, while they're in Balmoral, have any comment on anything. If you remember, after Diana died... It took a campaign by the newspapers to get the Queen to say anything at all because they were on holiday. And if you watch the film The Queen, you'll see they're on holiday and they tend not to get involved. And she was also looking after the grandchildren who'd lost their mum. Uh, that was the real reason that she said, I'm sorry, but we're looking after the boys at the moment. Yeah. We've just got to have a moment, I think. She we got could... dragged back down, though. She had yes, to. She did, indeed. But the, 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 the other thing about, you know, the people with the hoods being interviewed and covered, all, all their faces are covered up. Mm. The front page of the Daily Telegraph today, there is a picture of the 12-year-old boy mm. who stole the bottle of wine yeah. for £7.49 from Sainsbury's. And there's two pictures of him. There's one of him on Tuesday at 7.25 in the evening. Mm. 12-year-old boy, seven tw- half past seven at night. Have you seen Should the mother? Should be at home. Rough. But his Rough. face is blocked out. Yeah. Well, now, in fact, in all the papers during the week, you could see his face quite clearly. Well, because you should. I don't believe in this, you know, no. if they're under a certain age, their name is withheld because, to, to prevent them. I thought it was, I thought 12 was, was the cut-off point. You can't do anything with him because he's 12. Uh, I was discussing this with Courtney the other day. Both Courtney and I have opinions on exactly what you should do with these kids. Because, to be honest with you, if he lived next door to you, as far as I'm concerned, he's a thieving little toe rag, and I don't want him anywhere near me. I want to see what he looks like. Absolutely. Just to find out if he does live next door. And why shouldn't we see doesn't. what they look like? They should be shamed. They shouldn't be all allowed these people, all these to cover people their faces. Be David Cameron says, BB should ban companies from making garments with hood except for winter coats. Chrissy says, how dare the press give these pieces of scum air space. Joe in Acton says, Steve, the only voice they deserve is the voice of the magistrate sending them to prison. Uh, Martin, on the commute, says, never mind a voice. The idiots deserve to be exposed if they're stupid enough to be interviewed by the media so we can all see who they are all the better. Because we've seen that on television as they're carted out by the police and all their ill-gotten gains. Because uh, I did say the other day they were going to get their comeuppance, and they are now. Let's uh, just make sure they're all fingerprinted, Steve, with DNA for future records. Turns out most of them do have criminal records appearing in court already. Uh, Angela says, I think they should have sprayed the scum writers with a dye... Well, the problem is, as you've heard from some bewildered, balmy mothers, you know, my son was in the wrong place at the wrong time, he was just coming home. Mm, that'll be why I had the television under his arm, won't it, mother? Shame, really. Uh, and someone here that says, I think the media does glamorise the writing. 24-hour rolling news coverage makes it look like a good idea for this type of scum. And, uh, and Norman says, 
I think rioters, as soon as possible, let the media advertise a crime watch type spot. So we'll have a real good look at the mug shots and the video footage the police need help with. Name and shame and drag them into court, which is what they're doing. The papers did that the other day. They printed all these pictures and, uh, and they're getting them to court. 484 so far, over a thousand arrested and they're getting them in as fast as possible. We don't think that, uh, that the punishments are harsh enough at the moment. But they are naming and shaming today. It's the Olympics girl who trashed the police car, apparently. And it's crazy, Steve. Uh, the press should think what they're doing. These idiots love it. Don't give them what they want. Why aren't they locked up if they're admitting it? Yes, exactly. They, they do glamorise each other. But, of course, as they're not identifiable, they're even more stupid than you can imagine. Ron says, conscript the thugs into the army. Well, I, I, I do think boot camp is a good idea. Boot camp, definitely. Yeah, definitely not. They'll see it as a reward for bad behaviour. Yes, I mean, you shouldn't glamorise them. You can see them waving and smirking at the cameras, like this stupid little girl the other day. This is the 11-year-old charged with criminal damage. The little boy at 12. I mean, I would go up to him. I'm sorry, I'd have to do this. Hold his arms down and pull his hood back and go, take as many pictures as you want, boys. This is what a thug looks like at 12. I don't believe that at 12 they go, oh, he's a child, he doesn't know. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's 12, his mother's out of control, a foul-mouthed old bag, and she's got a son the same. Charming family, ladies and gentlemen. Charming family. Great shame, great shame. They could just take his photograph, couldn't they? And then, you know, like when your cat goes missing, when Mm. your dog goes missing, and people pin them to trees? No, they tried doing that in Essex. (laughs) They had all these criminals, they put the the pictures up on a poster... And the lawyers came around and said, you can't do that. They've got to take them down again. But why can't you do it? Because you have to protect them because they're toe rags, that's why. (laughs) I don't know why you have to protect these Honestly. The people listening at the moment who've got stolen goods in their flats, they're coming to get you. Yes. Because all your friends are shopping you because uh, they don't want to go to court and you will be going to court. Uh, Sally has all the series... Up to series seven. Is that what we were talking about? Spooks. spooks? Yeah. Oh, yes. Great. God, they've done that many series, have they? Oh, yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. It's had oh. a whole a whole load of different people in it. Absolutely wonderful series. Oh. And very, very, very addictive because it's a con- it continues. Yeah. And there's normally one underlying story throughout the entire series and then all sorts of other events that happen above. Oh. And it's all about spying. Oh, right. It's oh, right. ever so good. It's really, I really might good. It. And it's British. Oh, well, then we like that. It's British. If you go into America. Uh, you better go quickly uh, if you want to take a picture of the Statue of Liberty. Yes. They're actually closing it uh, for a facelift. £17 million seems quite reasonable. Over here, of course, it'd be about £35 million, But uh, over there, 17 So from October, they're, uh, they're closing it down. So if you want a picture of it, because it's an iconic image, then you better get over there very fast indeed. Uh, Daily Star this morning, they're still droning on about the fact that they've got Big Brother starting. And apparently Sid Owen is going to the house. Oh, yippee. Oh, whoopee-doo. That's exactly something to make you not watch, isn't it? He's already been in a, a celebrity thing. He was with Carol Thatcher in her one. And was we he? kicked And, and in the, in the, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. But he was kicked out because he was so dull. I mean, talk about boring. So now they've got it. They can't obviously get anybody for the Big Brother house. They've got ridiculous Amy Childs, who just trout, can't wait to see what you look like without the makeup. See, the Amy, trouble with Big Brother is, we've been there and we've done that. And it had its heyday... And it was very good at certain times, and we had some good celebrity ones, and there was all the, the mayhem. But, you know, if, if a channel like Channel 4 that's had it for mm. all those years suddenly says, enough's enough now, yeah. the figures aren't good, we, you know, we, we've done our time, why would another channel pick it up? Well, because, for what? Well, reason? Because, well, nobody's going to be watching it because they've got ghastly Brian Dowling presenting it. I like who Brian. Who can't present for toffee, I mean, dim. <laughs> I and know then, Brian. 
to make really it well. Well, he's but he's a he's a chronically awful presenter. Is that a nice man? Well, he might be nice, but wait, I'm not lovely. interested in nice. I'm you not want... interested. We don't want nice. Nice doesn't come on the television. Good presenting comes over on the he television. He was voted, though, the, the most popular Big Brother housemate. Yes, by half the rioters and the looters. <laughs> they go, we like that Brian Dowling, he's good, let's go for him on the television. And Ryanair crew. Yes, and Ryanair crew, yes. And I, I, I love the story the other day, little Joey Essex, who's just bought himself a £6,000 Rolex. Oh, don't go anywhere near Tottenham or some of these areas because you don't walk around with a £6,000 watch on your wrist. That would be an immensely stupid thing to do. And uh, he had his birthday the other night and all the good and the great turned up. Amy Childs, and Harry Durbridge. Harry the Camp Queen, who is... Harry, Harry. is the, the gay one in The Only Way is Essex, who's Amy's yeah. cousin. And Amy is leaving to go into the Big Brother house, and Harry said, that's good, perhaps people will see me now, you know, as a personality in my own right. I think we've seen enough of your personality, <laughs> Harry, darling. I'm really... I have to tell you, I think you're naff, OK? I don't want to be rude about you, but frankly, we've seen... Personality, it'd be nice to see one developing, and his brother's going in, who's short and fat. Oh, really? That'll be... Ex- and straight. That'll be a novelty, won't it? Harry is the same in real life as you see him on the television. That's not an act. I didn't think he it was. Exactly That's what's so awful same. about it. It's quite sweet, oh. absolutely. What's the matter with you today? <laughs> I'm being nice oh. to all the people you don't like. I'll God. be nice to Katie Price in a minute. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> well, luckily, she's not in the papers today. No! There's she, a... She, there's she's moved house, thank God, first, with that, isn't it? that handbag she takes around with her. Oh, that terrible house. That terrible thank house. God, I hope she gets a decent decorator in. Oh, ghastly last time, wasn't it? It was terrible. Who on earth would actually pay somebody to design something to look like that? And it also looked a mess but all also, the time. also, the worst thing about her is, poor soul, and I'm, I, mean, I don't want to be rude, but, you know, she's got no sense of fashion. What to, how to make yourself... She's got all that money and still manages to look cheap trash. Everything she wears, from the sunglasses to the bad makeup, which is getting worse, I have to tell you, the bad rat's end hair and all the rest, it's just... Can't she get herself some classy thing going on? Well, you know what it is, don't oh, I'll you? Take a break. It's the people she's hanging around well, with. Well, exactly. I mean, but the house designers. She had people in for the party for New Year's Eve. What a dull party that turned out to be. Anyway, what we'll do, we shall take a short break. We've got to celebrate a birthday, actually, in about 15 minutes' time, but I can tell you now it's LBC 97.3, and the time is 6.30. One of the people in court the other day has managed to find a lawyer, and through the lawyer, he said, well, you know, can you not uh, keep her in because she's got an important exam to take, and uh, it could affect her, her career. And the magistrate went, no, we're going to remain, uh, we'll keep her in custody. <laughs> Stupid people. And looking at this girl, Laura Johnson, the privilege, what an embarrassment to her parents. What an embarrassment. She's the getaway driver, apparently. I know. Have a car with all this stuff. They drove around with everything. What a stupid waste of space. What an embarrassment to the parents. The parents are sitting in court, probably thinking, what the heck's going on here? She's only allegedly said it. said she was possibly driving the car not knowing what was in it. But they but were she... driving around from shop to shop, loading it up. Well, it says that the 19-year-old student was allegedly driving a car containing stolen televisions, mobile phones, cigarettes and alcohol worth over £5,000 when she and two men were arrested near a retail park in South London on Monday night. Well, well, I hope they throw away the key if she's found guilty. And Apparently, how the University the of Exeter, uh, where she has uh, just finished her first year exams, said they would await the outcome of criminal proceedings before deciding whether to take any action. Good God. How embarrassing for the family. I can't think of anything worse. Uh, Mark says, if you're stuck for something to do today, why not take a trip to the Westminster Court and see exactly what sentences they're giving out? Take sandwiches and coffee. That's a good, I think a good idea, actually. Uh, some more texts coming in. Betty says, looking at the scum brazenly walking out of court on the news, no surprise. They, uh, they're straight out of the Jeremy Kyle show. And um, 
What we can do, we're not going to call uh, Darren today. We'll we'll catch up with him. Well, he's in on Sunday on the programme. He's in on Sunday because we're still doing these uh, these riots and everything else. Tony Sparling at Cobham says newsmen should not interview rioters, nor should the riots be televised. That's that's the publicity, isn't it? You'd like to go around people's houses about how many hard disks there are. With, mm. you know, oh, that's me. Look, that's me smashing a shop window. That's me doing this. Uh, how about taking whatever possessions these scum and their immediate family have and then auctioning them off with the proceeds going to the repair bill? Yes, especially when you've got, you know, mothers like the mother of the 12-year-old and the 11-year-old. Mahendra says, our PM described these people perfectly when he said pockets of our society are sick. How embarrassing he had to come back from his holiday to deal with it. Uh, if you put them in the army next time, the police will be facing army-trained rioters. Yes, there is that one to think well, of. Well, the hope yeah. by putting them in the army is that they, they jolly well yeah, change their way of life. Oh, dear. Neil says, we arrived at work 6am to find two new TVs dumped in our skip. Looks like they're now panicking. We have informed the police. Oh, they are panicking. They're, they're trying to get rid of stuff. I hope they've worn gloves. Or, secondly, I hope they haven't worn gloves, you know, so we can get fingerprints, because most of them do have records. And uh, Mike says, if all these convicted pond life uh, get criminal records, they won't get into America. Uh, Steve Allen wants to know if those involved in the London riot should be interviewed by the media. Not at all. And uh, Steve says, Sue, agree with your wise comments. Why are some kids so angry today? Because they like to pretend they're hard, Sue. They like to think they're clever. And then, as I say, I mean, you really, with that 12-year-old boy outside of court swearing at the, at the newsman and his mother swearing as well, you feel like going over and just decking him, don't you? Just, you know, I'm, oh, I'm terribly sorry, my fist slipped. You know, and here's mummy. Oh, she's gone down as well. What a shame. It's, I mean, it it's just, just makes you so angry. You can't think about it anymore. It's terrible. Well, as London reflects on the riots, much has been made of the work that's been done by the police, but thousands of firefighters were on duty as well. London Fire Brigade Commissioner Ron Dobson has been telling LBC's Dan Friedman he's very proud of his staff. Oh, indeed. I mean, the police have done a fantastic job, really, in trying to control some of the damage and the violence. But firefighters have been exposed to very difficult circumstances where they've been attacked by the rioters. Fire engines have been damaged. Um, and firefighters have been injured. Uh, and I'd just like to take the opportunity for May to actually congratulate all the firefighters in London and uh, just con- 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 confirm, really, that London has got the best firefighters in the world. The way in which they dealt with was absolutely exemplary. And how stretched would you say your force has been? I mean, it must be... Uh, obviously, the, the police, far more mobile. Once they start dealing with trouble, they can go away and sort of move. Your guys, I suppose, have to see things through. Well, we're very dependent on the police to actually find a safe, a safe area for us, really, to actually get to the incidents. And then also, once we're there, to actually protect the firefighters who have been attacked while they're trying to put the fires out. Um, so we have been stretched, but we've coped very well. Um, officers have worked very hard, and the firefighters have been completely um, helpful and compliant and really, really cooperative at the whole thing. And the situation in Croydon the other night, I heard a story that the reason why Reeves Furniture burnt down was because uh, one of your staff was threatened with a gun and they they, they, they feared their safety so much they they just simply couldn't attend and that's why it got so out of control. Is there any truth to that? No, not really. Um, The reason that building was such a severe fire was by the time we could get there and have a safe area to work in, the building was completely involved in fire and it was was just too dangerous to put the firefighters into the building as we would normally do. We did have one firefighter, though, who was on her way to work who was actually stopped on a motorbike and threatened with a gun and her motorbike was stolen, but that was on her way to work and another one that was actually... um, attacked while he was on his way home from work. Um, they, they was off duty, but they was actually attacked during the uh, riots. And when did that take place? That took place on Monday. No, whereabouts? Uh, one of them was in East London, and the other one was in Clapham. Where was the gun incident? Sorry? The, the firearms incident? That was in Clapham. That was in Clapham? Yeah. So someone had actually, a gun was pointed in her uh, face? A firefighter on, the, on her way home from duty. And what happened? Well, she, she passed over her possessions, and then they drove off on the bike. 
but she right. then left. She went to the local fire station to actually obviously be supported, and we called the police, and the police are now investigating that incident. So a firefighter, one of your female firefighters, had a gun pointed in her face? On her way, on her way into work. She wasn't actually on duty, but on her way into work, she was threatened with a gun, and the bike, motorbike was stolen, and her possessions were stolen. So, so would she be, have been in uniform at this point? Uh, no, she wasn't, no. So it wouldn't have been... She, essentially, they just took her from a member yes, of the public? Yes, yes, indeed. It wasn't actually... They knew she was a firefighter. It was actually just a member of the public, but I was on her way into work to be a firefighter that evening. And can we take her name? Uh, I haven't got her name with me, actually, but we can get it for you. Yeah, OK, all right. Um... In terms of what's happening with the fire service, you know, there's lots to be made of what's the ongoing saga with Asset Co. Can you clarify the position at the moment? How solvent is the business? How many fire, fire engines are uh, available at all times? And what impact does it have on cover across London? We have all the normal number of fire engines available today and right the way through these different which is, plants. Which is how many? 169 pumping plants, just like the normal fire engines, plus a range of other specials, about 80 or 90 other specials. They're all available. And Asset Co. actually, despite their difficulties, have provided a really good service over the last week in making sure that fire engines that get damaged are put back into service as quickly as possible and arranging for spare fire plants to be available in their place so they can't repair them quickly. So it does have got a difficult position. They've actually given us very good support over the last seven days. Do you sort of anticipate Asset Co. will be looking after the fleet for the foreseeable future? Well, there's a very important court hearing on the 25th of August where the, uh, the court are going to listen to new proposals around Asset Co.'s future and we have to wait and see what the court says then. Ron Dobson, the London Fire Brigade Commissioner, talking to Dan Friedman. Uh, another one here from uh, from Mary. It says, oh, she's changed the subject completely, actually. Uh, the Wallace Collection at Manchester. Do I know the Wallace Collection? I get all the private invites, Mary, to the Wallace Collection. All the private invites. I'm constantly being invited to the Wallace Collection. And uh, it's, it's lovely. I've been there, going there for donkey's years, darling. Donkey's years. Ken says, why, why don't we send these nasty, unpleasant little tow rags off to Africa to dig iridescent? ditches, an area where there's drought and famine, they might then discover what real poverty looks like. Well, we were saying a minute ago, we were looking at sort of images of people and they go, oh, it's awful people living on, you know, these sink estates, these inner city estates and everything else. And it's so terrible. You think, but they, some of them don't pay any rent. They seem to manage to drink. They ha- their lives are so empty. They ca- people cannot entertain themselves now. As kids, we entertained ourselves. We played with our toys. And all they do now, they hang around on street corners, leaning up against buildings with a fag on and a, and a can in the other hand. And you think, and you're doing that at 12, 13. What a waste of space. But then they complain that there's nothing for them to do. And then it's well, the government's fault. Well, make something to do. Make exactly. something to do. We didn't get have out there loads and... of things, did yeah. we? When we were growing up, you... Played with your friends, you just amused yourself, and when your mum said, "Mum or your dad said, that's enough, in you come now." At a certain time, and you went, "I'll see you tomorrow." Yeah, bye. And you went inside, and then you went and read a book, or you played with your toys in your bedroom, yeah. or you had a bath, and you went to bed. I Not don't interested. Eleven-year-olds out on the street at nine, ten o'clock at night. Soon we clamp down on that, the better. I mean, it's ridiculous. You were talking just then about um, uh, the Wallace Collection. I had, uh, uh, you know, that I was in Paris last weekend, mm. and uh, um, I went to the Museum d'Orsay. And which is an you would love that museum. It is so so beautiful, and it was built for the Great Exhibition. And you arrived there at the at the station. It was originally a railway station. And it's been converted into a museum in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment that I've never never ever had this happen to me before. And I went into one of the galleries there, and I was surrounded by so much incredible familiarity, which was priceless. I had a Monet, a Gauguin, a Degas, all pictures that I knew, mm. you know, that you know from various things. And it, I became over, 
overwhelmed by it, and I had a slight tear. And yeah. the, the person that I was with said to me, you really can't spend more than two minutes staring at a painting. Move on, for goodness sake. the Wallace Collection, it's all canalettos. They've got a whole room full of canalettos. They're quite They're astonishing. The Laughing Cavalier as well. When you see Upstairs. something that you're so familiar with, like, mm. you know, uh, Monet's watercolours or, yeah. or Degas' ballerinas, you know, th- that you really know... Yeah. And then suddenly it's the real thing. It's quite astonishing. The difference is with the Wallace collection, it was a private house. You can imagine yes. how much money these people had, can't you? Uh, the other thing that's highlighted in the paper today is uh, the fire victims. You know, people who've lost their property. have been told by the, uh, the mortgage company, you've still got to pay. You've still got to pay your mortgage. <laughs> We're yeah. not going to actually sort of write the mortgage off, so you have to do that. Uh, Mark in Putney says, even if we do ban the manufacture of hoodies then the big girls' blouses will come out marauding in parkas or duffel coats, even in the high summer. The trouble is they think they look fashionable. They just look like sad <laughs> lonelies, I'm afraid. Andy in Staffordshire says, if the parents can't look after the kids, the kids should be put in care and hopefully brought up properly. You're joking, the 12-year-old girl's in care. She was out marauding through the streets. What sort of care is that? And that was the one that her father went to the court, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, her father went with her, but she's in care. Why? Because he's too stupid to look after her, I suppose. I mean, I just find it unbelievable. So, in other words, it's, it's no good saying to somebody, oh, you're putting care so somebody else will look after you. Because unless you're locking people up 24 hours a day... And also, putting somebody into care costs a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, No, Steve, stop interviewing the thugs and talk to the people cleaning up their mess or the people who've lost their livelihoods. Uh, Trying to get to work, says Sarah. Reeves Corner's a mess, all the workmen are doing their best. And uh, could the court set a standard, as they did with the Pink Floyd boy who was rioting? He got 16 months. Oh, I think there should be 16 months. And the other thing the government is saying is we're going to take their benefit away. The council is saying uh, if they're convicted, we will take away the council house. And I'm going, well, that's not going to be a brilliant idea. They need to think that through properly. For the simple reason, if you take away the council house, they're now on the streets. And, and what do you do with them then? And if you take away their benefits, which I think they should do, then that might encourage them to get the job. Whilst they're on benefits, they're not working or looking for anything. They just stand there and somebody hands them out money. And so I think immediately you take away the benefits. And they go, so what am I going to do now? And you go, well, that's up to your parents to look after you. You know, unless you're going to get off your fat bottom and actually get a job. Take away the, uh, the driving licence of the girl who is allegedly uh, committing this other crime. It's just the embarrassment for this, uh, for this poor soul up in court and parents sitting in the public gallery watching, thinking, how did it ever get to this, that here we are at our time of life, living in a nice house, you know, all the amenities, and she's up on charges of what? Driving the getaway car. Dear God, you couldn't make it up, could you? Quarter to seven. Morning, everybody. Birthday time today. My friend Jerry, his, uh, his partner Lorraine. Am I allowed to say, Lorraine, how old you are today? This is where you're going to kill me afterwards, I'm afraid. But uh, it's just a number, OK? It's the number 60. <laughs> OK, it's just a number. It doesn't mean anything at all, but many, many happy returns. It's a number with a zero in it. it, it it's a number with, with That's a zero. all you need to decide. It's the six at the front <laughs> that, that's kind of depressing, especially when you probably feel haughty. So, and Jerry, of course, is one of these people. I mean, Jerry is an indeterminate age. Well, he could be anything. He pumped my tyres up the other day. So yeah. but that doesn't mean make him an indeterminate age, but he has, he has fairly long hair. Oh, OK. So he's somewhere long. between 18 and death, is what you mean. Somewhere between 18 and death, <laughs> yes. Probably nearing on the death side, eh, Jerry? <laughs> but anyway, Lorraine, have a very, very happy birthday for today. Uh, I hear you're going to get the uh, the biggest bunch of flowers you've ever seen in your life. Oh, don't spoil it for her. No, she's not, but, I mean, I'm just saying that now, so maybe she can. What, is he popping around local graveyards to see who's who's left the best bunch? I don't know. But anyway, have a very, very happy birthday. Uh, guess who's who's going to get married? Somebody very unlikely, and we actually know him, and we know his uh, his girlfriend, who's going to be his wife. I know who And he is. he's he's been an angry young man, 
in his time. He's and been an angry, angry old man. man. <laughs> He's got the biggest house you've ever seen. Yes, finally, Michael Winner has decided to get married to Geraldine. Finally, they're going to get married. How wonderful. He's 75. She's a lot younger. And uh, <laughs> they're going to get married. So that'll be nice. So well done, Geraldine. Finally dragged him down the aisle. They have been together an awfully long time, haven't yes. they? Yes, yes, an awfully long time. <laughs> an awfully long time. If but you uh, want a little treat this week, if you think that the news this week has been so depressing and, you, and everything else, if you want to cheer yourself up, you could have a look at the hotel where I was luxuriating in last mm. week, which is called the Hotel Creon. But do go and see Super 8. Super 8. Which is the new film from J.J. Abrahams and Steven Spielberg, his executive producer. All right. And I went to see it on... Well, I think it was on Wednesday night. Mm. Um, actually, the cinema was half empty because there was nobody about, of course. Yeah. Absolutely no one around. Yeah. But it's a lovely, lovely film. You'd like it. You know why? Yeah. It's a bit E.T.-ish. Oh, it's OK. I can live with E.T. We can live with E.T. So, Super 8. Well super worth eight. it. Great to take the kids. OK. Peter Go says, one it. person leaving a magistrate's court had his jacket over his head and was photographed giving a finger to the press. Just about sums up all you need to know about him and his attitudes. And by the way, I should tell you, because it's very, 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 very important, this coming Sunday, there are going to be hundreds of roads closed across West London for this cycle race for the Olympics. This is a test race. And so there's lots of buses that are cancelled. You need to check with... Um, with the bus companies in your particular area, because Richmond will be out of bounds, and it won't just be out of bounds for an hour or so. They're thinking about six to eight hours of closing off all the roads. Mm. Around Twickenham, loads of roads are closed off because it will come through Twickenham, and then it will bear left and go up to Teddington. So there's going to be no buses coming into into Twickenham at all from 8 o'clock in the morning. No, sorry, tell a lie. From 4 in the morning, they're closing all the roads on Sunday, and they won't open, many of them, till 3 in the afternoon. So just check out, if, you, if you're in Richmond, Twickenham, or anywhere along the route, check with your local bus company, any of the inspectors or the guys out on the street, come round to Twickenham and talk to Ivor and everybody else down there, and they'll tell you what's closed, because it's major. They're putting things up on the, on the bus stops, but it really is going to affect all the areas. So there's 168... It'll probably take about five minutes to get all the cycles through, and so they've closed roads off. I mean, I can probably get out in the morning, because I'm heading... The, uh, the wrong way, but just be very careful, because if you live anywhere, I mean, I, I, the only route I can tell you about is a bit from Richmond. Richmond Bridge is all closed off, all the roads on the left-hand side and the right-hand side, all barriers up. They'll be putting the barriers up tomorrow, and it, travel will be impossible. Some people will not be able to get out of their roads. Yeah, Certainly I, not in their cars. You better walk out, but you can't take the cars out. There was a map yes. in one of the papers, actually, yeah. today. I think, I'm just trying to look at it. And it shows the, uh, the cross-section of where that, huge. that's going. It's massive. Yes. It goes into, way into Surrey and, yeah. and all They're of coming that. Coming all the area. way out from town, all the way out, all the way back round again. So, uh, so just be aware of it, because it's big. Tom Leonard has done a piece uh, in the Daily Mail today. She's the maths professor who's hit a multi-million scratch card jackpot an astonishing four times. And they've said here, has she worked out how to win the lottery? No. Of course she hasn't. It's a scratch card. You've got no idea what's underneath Luck the, of the draw. It's luck of the draw. She, they've said she's the luckiest woman in the world. She is apparently beaten by winning a multi-million pound lottery, not once, twice, but four times. Not in this country. It's in Texas. She's 63. Over there, the cards cost between £12 and £31. They're not the same as our scratch cards. They're different. And there are three $10 million winners among every issue of three million scratch cards so the odds are quite good and she's done it four times but that's over there so do not equate it with what we do here and it's not instant they do theirs a staggering way but there's that man that won an enormous amount in that 
big, big, big lottery in America. Yes. And I think he won it twice. Well, we had somebody here who won, what did they win over here? What was it, 161 million? Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. Oh, the, the, the I feel even ill telling you about it, I'm afraid. Um, also, there's a good piece in the paper today on Sarah Millican, the comedian, who luckily is not on our televisions over this weekend. For that, we should be eternally grateful, thank you, God, because, frankly, the northern joke routine wore out months ago, Sarah. Stay in bed, dear, more often. When the phone rings, don't answer it, please. Steve, if you take benefits away, they'll be out robbing. Yep. And, uh, and Anna says, if these young people want something to do, here at the Harvester in Crawley, we're looking for bar staff and waiting staff. You can imagine... Oh, order this. Surf and serve. Come and get it yourself. They'll be there in hoodies at the bar. You want a drink? Behind the counter, innit? Uh, what a shame, says Graham, to be so poor as to only able to own a Blackberry to arrange your riot. I know, bless their little Shocking, hearts. isn't it? So, the girl driving the next getaway, or the, driving the getaway car, will unfortunately be a guest on Big Brother next. That's how sad life has become. Oh, exactly, they go, oh, sorry, it was a moment of madness. Would you like to present this morning? <laughs> It's it's where that's stupid. Don't don't joke about no, it. I it's tell you, true. because all these people have turned up on the television being interviewed. So why why did you riot? Oh, I don't know. I've got no idea. Okay, do you want to be a presenter? It's like so. Who, who have you actually slept with? Oh, I slept football and oh, loads of famous people. Would you like to be a presenter? Oh, can I be a presenter? Of course you can, darling. Of course you can. Heavens above, you've slept with so many people. At least we're keeping you off the streets. That's how it goes in this country. Uh, Steve, if there's a Wallace collection, is there a Gromit collection? Oh, dear Lord above. And, uh, Steve, hearing you two banter as usual, it's a signal it's nearly the weekend. Not yet. Only five to seven in the morning, for goodness sake. As I say, it's, it's another day, but we can put a smile on our faces as more and more people will be getting those, uh... It's the police knocking on your door, dragging you out, screaming like banshees as we, uh, as we take back what you stole from people that you shouldn't have taken in the first place. As I say, nothing to do with social deprivation, nothing to do with we haven't got anything. It's pure and utter thievery and thuggery. And that's all it is. Did you Nothing see the, the police going into that person's yeah. house last night? Wasn't that amazing? I so laughed when I he lo- came out <laughs> crying. I so laughed. I loved the way it went wham, wham. Yeah. Police. I want one of them. Went. See, the trouble is, around there, they don't ring the doorbell. For some <laughs> reason, they've got battering rams, ladies. I mean, I... I can... They don't have doorbells. They don't? Oh, do they not? No. Ding dong. We used to have, I remember years ago, a multi thing on the doorbell, which was lovely. You could choose your chime. Choose the chime. Yeah, I think I might, still get those. I might get one of those today. I bet, I bet there's one in Poundland. <laughs> Thank you, John, very much. My pleasure. Uh, I'm back with you on Sunday. I can't tell you who's on In Conversation, because we've done so many and so many good conversations that six in the morning is a surprise on the repeat, and nine o'clock of the evening, it's, it's, it's such a good one. It's such a good one. It's such a surprise. I can't tell you. And uh, so we'll do that on Sunday morning, OK? Don't forget to podcast. Check out the blog and everything else on lbc.co.uk. Nick and the team with you after the news at seven o'clock this morning. As I say, I'm back with you on Sunday. Let's hope it's a nice, peaceful weekend and we all enjoy ourselves. Here's this morning's business update now with Sam Pitty.